0: True followers of Jesus Christ should lead their communities as good citizens. This is our moment to represent God in our nation. Today, we join Scott Pauly in studying what the Bible says about the Christian and his country. For the next couple of days, I would like to talk to you about the Christian and his country. You know, I believe that if you're the right kind of Christian, you'll be the right kind of citizen. But the question remains, what is the greatest thing you can do for your nation? What is, what is the eternal impact that a believer can make in the country in which he lives? And so, I want to take you to one Old Testament story and then one New Testament Scripture. Today, we begin with the Old Testament story. And uh, before you find the story itself in the book of Genesis, let me just read a summary to you from 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Peter 2 verse 5 that God spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now isn't it unique that God connects Noah and Lot Uh, Two Bible characters, one famous, one infamous. They're separated by 400 years, so uh, they are not in the same time period. They're divided by geography, and yet God connects them. They're connected in the book of Genesis at the beginning of the Bible. They're connected in 2 Peter 2 at the end of the Bible. And then it is as if God is connecting them to us. Because you'll remember that the Lord Jesus Christ used their names and their time periods in Luke chapter number 17 as well, to talk about the time period just before the Lord returns. Why does God give us the story of Noah and the story of Lot? Well, I believe there is a number of reasons. First of all, there's a comparison between them. Both of them lived in evil days, and we live in evil days. There's also a contrast. Noah spoke, and Lot was silent. Which one are you, may I ask? Are you the person speaking up for truth and righteousness, or are you the person that's silent, staying behind the scenes, not wanting to rock the boat. You see, every one of us is either Noah or Lot in our day. Here's the great conclusion I've come to about these two men and why God connects them. Through both of them, God is saying to us, we are responsible for the world in which we live. We are responsible for our generation. We are responsible for our nation. You see, Noah was accountable for the testimony he gave in his day. And Lot was accountable for the testimony he gave in his day. And yes, you and I are going to be accountable for the testimony we give in our day. Not everybody gets to choose where they live. We don't choose when we live. We don't get to choose what the culture around us is doing while we live. But we do choose how we are going to live there. And Lot made a bad decision. His story is found in Genesis chapter number 19. You should read it for yourself again. It's truly a sad story. And though it's a negative story, it has tremendous truth positively for us to apply. You see, sometimes you learn what not to do from certain people. Lot's great failure was not in what he did so much as what he did not to do. Lot was a believer. The Bible calls him a just man and a righteous man. Well, that's only true of a man who's a true believer. So he was saved. That's a reminder to me that it's not enough just to say you're saved. Perhaps you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I'm glad, but what are you doing to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Here was Lot. He was a man who had a great heritage, no doubt about that. Remember, Uncle Abraham had taught him a great deal and had exemplified a life of faith. We have received a great Christian heritage. But the issue is not what have you been handed, the issue is what are you going to leave behind when you're gone? We know that Lot had a conscience. We just read a moment ago that he was vexed by the filthy conversation of the wicked. It's one thing to hate the darkness around you, and it's another thing to pierce it with light. There are many Christians who are bothered by the evil and wickedness in our nation. But what are we doing? Are we spectators? Are we participants in this spiritual battle? And then I've got a pretty good idea that Lot was even a kind man. He was probably a gracious man. You remember... Uh, His hospitality that he showed to the two strangers that showed up at his door and the treatment of those two men, he tried to protect them. And yet the sad fact remains that Lot made no difference in Sodom. Sodom was not saved because there was no salt and no light in Sodom. If Lot had simply done what a follower of God should do, I have no doubt in my mind, based on what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 and Matthew chapter number 11, that Sodom would have remained, that somebody would have believed. So what are the three things that Lot did not do that we should do? Well, let me give them two quickly. Number one, Lot did not use his influence for God. Lot had influence. Everybody has influence. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 19, when the angel showed up in Sodom, Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Do you know what the gate of Sodom was? That was a place of authority. It's where the governmental leaders sat. This is a man who had influence but refused to use it for God. And I want to say to you, as a believer, the only way we can advance the gospel is not with force. You can't make people believe. But the weapon God has given us is our own influence. God always has a people. And God gives them influence, but they must take it and they must use it. And I want to ask you personally what are you doing with the influence God has given you? And maybe you think, well, my influence is small, but use the influence you have. See, there's a ripple effect. As we are obedient, God gives us more influence. We live in a world where everybody's trying to get more influence and trying to build a larger platform. Maybe what we need to do is just use the influence we already have. Start where you are to influence others for God. Secondly, not only did Lot not influence others for God, but secondly, he did not instruct his own family. I would argue that perhaps his greatest failure was in his own home. See, that's where influence begins. And the quickest way to lose a nation is lose your family. His son-in-laws, they mocked him. They mocked his faith. Your family knows. You see, the battle in our nation is not won in the houses of government. It's one in our house. It's one with our own homes. You see, no one is a better Christian than the Christian they are in the privacy of their own home. His son-in-laws mocked him. His daughters were corrupted. Long before, long before Lot ever offered them up, they had already been corrupted. Long before they ever sinned, uh, great immorality in the mountains outside of Sodom. They had already been defiled. He lost his children. And then his wife, his wife turned back. You remember in Genesis nineteen twenty six, she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Think of this. She became the very thing they refused to be, salt. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, a woman who was more in love with their life than she was with their Lord. So I want to challenge you today, use your influence and instruct your family. Talk to your own family about faith in God. And then finally, Lot failed to intercede for others. There's no record that Lot ever built an altar. Everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. In fact, Abraham even prayed for Sodom. Do you remember that in the previous chapter? And yet, he was praying from outside the city. No one inside the city was praying. We fuss and we complain and we grumble about the wickedness around us. But do we pray? Who's praying for Sodom? Who's praying for your city? Moses interceded for Israel. Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem. Jesus prayed for Jerusalem. Paul stood in the gap for his people. But who is praying for your town, for your state, for your county, and for our nation? This is something that every Christian can do for his or her country. We can use the influence we have for God. We can instruct our own family and we can intercede for souls. And I want to challenge you to do that very thing today. Friends, Jesus is coming soon, and I don't know about you. I don't want to be Lot. I want to be Noah. May God help us to make our influence count for God while we can. We are grateful for our nation and for the opportunity to serve God in this generation. Ask God to use you to make a difference right where you are. For additional Bible studies, visit us at scottpauley.org. We look forward to studying God's Word with you again on the next Enjoying the Journey.